today on The Journey. There are going to be times when we need someone in our life who cares enough about us to look us straight in the eye and say, something doesn't look right in your life. And because I love you too much, we've got to talk about this. What if you were the last lifeguard where the river of life plunged over the cliff and into the sin-soaked abyss? Would you know what to do to save a believer drifting close to the spiritual edge? Well, on today's broadcast, Ron Moore offers biblical training that could save someone from death and cover a multitude of sins. Plus, after the message, I'll let you know about Ron's devotional booklet titled Garments of Grace. In it, you'll discover eight items of spiritual clothing God wants every believer to wear. Garments of Grace is available as a digital download for a donation of any amount at ronmoore.org. Your gift today will help further this ministry of developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with a message titled, The Grace of Admonition on the Journey. What happens in the body of Christ when another Christian plays too close to the falls? What happens in the body of Christ when a man or a woman demonstrates dangerous behavior, patterns of sinful behavior in his or her life, and God allows you to see it? What are we to do when another Christian gets too close to the edge and is living too close to the edge? Do we ignore it? None of my business. They're living their life. I'm just working hard to live mine. Do we gossip about it? <laughs> Can you believe so-and-so over there, what they've been doing, what they've been up to? Do we simply watch and see how long it takes for them to fall off the side? Or do we take some initiative? Bold steps, radical steps, risky steps of getting involved in their life. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. We're going to look today as our primary text at verses 1 through 5. Follow along as I read this passage of Scripture. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. For each one should carry his own load. And there's an assumption built into this passage that we are not perfect people. Much more than an assumption, it's a sound doctrine of Scripture. We're going to be tempted, every one of us, each of us have weaknesses, and each of us have blind spots, and sometimes we know good and well we should not participate in some activity or some pattern, but we do it anyway. 
There are times when every one of us walks way too close to the falls. Each one of us, no exception. There are going to be times when we need to be admonished. There are going to be times when we need someone in our life who cares enough about us to come to us, to look us straight in the eye and say, I love you too much. Something doesn't look right in your life. I love you too much to continue on this pattern of sin. And because I love you too much, we've got to talk about this. You're God's child. You can do better than that. God demands that you do better. And we have to be a people and we have to be a church that is willing to carry out this messy and risky ministry of admonition. People who are willing to put the relationship on the line if they need to in order to confront sin in another believer's life. So let's look at this passage, Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. And we're going to see in this passage the purpose of admonition. We're going to see barriers to admonition, and we're going to see the process of admonition. Let's look first at the purpose. Look at verse 1. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Circle the word restore. That's the purpose of admonition. It is not to embarrass anyone. It is not to demonstrate your spiritual superiority over anyone. It is not to say that you have caught someone out in a sin. The purpose of the grace of admonition is restoration. Pure and simple. The word used here, restore, means to put something back into its former condition. In secular Greek, it was used for setting broken bones. So a bone is broken by a fall, and you restore the bone by realigning it, by setting it back in its proper alignment and allowing the bone to grow healthy again. If you've ever seen a broken bone, a serious broken bone, you know it is not a pleasant thing to watch someone set it. There is pain involved in the realignment. It almost looks cruel as they take the bone and put it back into its spot. But it's necessary if the bone is to mend properly. And so it is with admonition. It's not a pleasant process. Someone who enjoys admonition better not be doing it. It involves telling another person, you know, something isn't adding up here in your life. It seems like things are out of line. And they may not listen. And they may tell you to mind your own business. Your relationship may be strained. No one likes to be admonished. I don't. And you don't. But it's necessary, isn't it? If we're going to move into spiritual health. Let me ask you a question. This verse makes an assumption, which is a spiritual doctrine. We are not perfect. We are weak. We have areas of temptation. We have blind spots in our life. So let me ask you a question. When was the last time you were admonished by someone? When was the last time you admonished someone? If it's necessary, shouldn't it be happening probably more than it is. Talking generally, why do we seem to be more comfortable gossiping about the failings of others? 
instead of confronting the person with the issue. Confronting them so that they will be restored. That's the purpose. Why is it that people do not participate in this ministry? Well, there are several reasons. It's a difficult one for sure. But Paul in this passage gives three reasons why people do not get involved in this ministry of admonition. Three barriers. Here's the first one. Spiritual pride. Look at verse 3. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Spiritual smugness, a sense of superiority. The person says, you know, I'm above that trivial stuff, and when these so-called believers will just grow up, then they'll be on the same level I'm on. I can't believe they would be involved in that type of sin. I'm on such a higher plane, I can't even lower myself to get involved in someone else's mess. I'm beyond that. They should have known better. Spiritual smugness is a dangerous place to be. In fact, Paul says here, if anyone thinks he's something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Now, it's not a positive situation when someone else deceives you, but being self-deceived is an insidious disease. Jesus calls the self-deceived hypocrites, pretenders, deluding yourself into thinking you're something you're not. And if you think you're too good to get your hands messy and involved in the lives of others, then you're the one who needs correction. Here's a second barrier, judgmentalism. Look at verse 4. Each one of us should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. Let me make a very important point here. The grace of admonition involves judgment. We have to look at another person's actions and we have to make a judgment that the actions are not what God wants them to be based on the Word of God, not our personal opinion, not a personality difference, not a preference, but based on the Word of God. But we believe that person is redeemable. We believe that person needs God's grace. We believe that person, by God's grace, can overcome that particular sin. So we confront them. That's the grace of admonition. Judgmentalism writes someone off, says they're not worthy of grace and mercy. They're not redeemable. They're not worth my time. I'm going to let them go their own way. And we condemn them in our hearts, and we're not willing to invest in their life. We compare ourselves to others, Paul says. We inflate our own ego, and we become judgmental of other people. That's why Paul says in this passage, you should test your actions, your own actions. You should prayerfully evaluate your own heart. And when we prayerfully evaluate our own heart, the spirit of judgmentalism is destroyed because we see, given the same set of circumstances, we could fall into that sin as well. Look at verse 5. For each one should carry his own load. Paul is saying, every one of you, you're responsible for certain things. And one day, you're finally going to stand before God. And based on your relationship with Jesus Christ, He is going to ask you some questions that no one else can answer, only you. One day, you're going to stand before God. And you're going to have to answer the questions that He asks. So evaluate your heart 
Don't become judgmental. But prayerfully evaluate and take pride in the fact, a good pride, that God is at work in your life and that you're living for Him. It's a third barrier. The misunderstanding of community. There's too much independence among us. And there's a misunderstanding of community that we're part of a body and we need each other and we're in this together and we're going the same way and no one flies solo and we have to be on the same team. And that means interaction with one another. That means we cannot live our own lives separately. That we have to interact in each other's lives and we have to know each other or we have to know at least a group of people who are willing to invest in us and we're willing to invest in them. Colossians chapter 3, 16 says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom, with discernment. Paul says here in this passage, verse 2, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Burdens here refers to worries, refers to doubts, refers to temptations, refers to sorrows. Carry each other's burdens, and then you will fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Well, the law of Christ is the law of love. Jesus said this in John 13, A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. We're in this together. We're dependent on one another. We have to share in each other's life, and we can't let the barriers of some false sense of individuality and spiritual superiority drag us into isolation. That's a dangerous place to be. Okay, we've seen the purpose, restoration. We've seen some barriers. Let's close by looking at the process of admonition. Here's the first question. When should admonition take place? Admonition, again, is pointing out someone's fault. When should admonition begin? Look at verse 1. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. So it should happen when another person is caught in a sin. The word caught here, the Greek word, pictures a person running from something, in this case from sin, and sin is running faster and catches up to them and overtakes them and they become caught. They become trapped, stuck in sin. Again, we're not talking about a personality difference. And it's not just one thing. It's not one fall, but it's a pattern of behavior. And here's the point. God brings it before your eyes. He makes it known to you. They may be in a very dangerous situation, way too close to the falls. They may know they're in that situation. They may be oblivious to that danger. But the result is the same. They are caught in sin, and God allows you to notice it. When should admonishment take place? When a person is stuck in a pattern of sin, and God brings it before your eyes. Now it's your responsibility. Second question, who should do it? Again, look at verse 6. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. You who are spiritual, literally, you who possess the Spirit. That is every believer. And the second part of that is you who possess the Spirit and your life is being lived under the control of the Spirit. You don't have to be perfect. 
But at that point in your life, you can say there is no overt sin in my life. You are spiritual. You have the responsibility to go. Now, people will use this as an excuse not to go do it because they say, man, I'm not spiritual enough to go do that. I can't do that. I can't go confront that person. I know God, you put it before my eyes. No one else knows about it, but, but not me. I'm not spiritual enough. Well, if that's true, then that's an indictment on your own heart. Because we need to be spiritual enough. We need to be living by the Spirit. The Spirit is within us. We have everything we need to lead a life that's pleasing to God. So who should be involved in the grace of admonition? The believer who is living a life of obedience, controlled by the Spirit. Third and final question, how do you do it? Look again at Galatians 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. That's the key word, gently. You don't go in with both barrels blasting. You don't go in just to call someone on the carpet. If you wake up in the morning and say, I cannot wait to admonish someone today, it's probably not going to be a good day for you to do it. <laughs> gently. And if you go back in Galatians in chapter 5, you'll see in verse 22 that gentleness is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness is best described as strength under control. Prayerfully is the next word. Look at verse 1 again. But watch yourself or you may be tempted also. It may well be that the issue that you see in someone else's life is an issue that you've struggled with in your life. And as you go into it, you better do it prayerfully because you may be tempted as well. You better do it prayerfully because God may be using this situation to say, hey, I want you to go to that person and get the dust out of their eye, but first you got a plank in your eye you need to deal with. And when we come before Him prayerfully, the value is that He knows exactly where to pinpoint our issues so that we not only can deal with our own issues, but be an effective member of the church of Christ. One last one, patiently. Remember, you're doing this under the law of Christ, which is the law of love, and love is patient. And don't expect a person who has been involved in a pattern of sin to hear your words, hear your confrontation, just like that, the pattern's broken, it's over, they never are involved in that again. You can't expect that. We have to say, you know, not only am I here to confront you on it, but I'm here to help you through it. I'm here to pray for you. I'm here to keep you accountable. And I'm not going to give up on you because you're too important to me. And you're too important to God. There's a beautiful old hymn I know that many of you know. It's called, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. The third verse says this, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That was written by Robert Robinson when he was 23 years old. And unfortunately, the words of that third verse, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love, became prophetic 
in the life of Robinson. And he fell into sin, and he fell hard, and he lived many years away from Christ. One day he was on a stagecoach, and he heard a woman humming his hymn. She later engaged him in a conversation, and she asked what he thought about the hymn. And overcome with emotion, he said, Madam, I am the poor, unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago, and I would give a thousand worlds if I had them to enjoy the feeling I had then. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We're all prone to wonder, aren't we? We are sinners to the core, saved by grace. We're prone to leave the God we love. And sometimes we're walking so close to the falls, we don't even know it. That's why the body of Christ has to get involved in the life of each other. That's why setting a broken bone is not a cruel, super spiritual, judgmental thing to do. It's necessary if we are to be healthy. Maybe there's someone that God has placed in your life over the last week or over the last month, and you have seen a pattern in their life, and there's a red flag that went up, and then another red flag went up, and you've not done anything about it. Today, God is calling you to go talk to that individual. Cup of coffee over lunch, breakfast. But you need to look them in the eye and you need to say, I love you so much that I'm not going to sit here while you walk by the falls. I'm not going to sit here while your family is destroyed. I'm telling you, you can do better. John Stott says this, if we obeyed this verse, much unkind gossip would be avoided serious backsliding prevented, and the good of the church advanced, and the name of Christ glorified. That's what we have to be about. We must be willing to participate in the grace of admonition. And please stay with us. Ron returns in a few moments with a look at our next time together. When wanting to look your best in public, do you care about the appearance of your clothing? And the same question could be asked of your spiritual apparel especially of those garments God has provided by His grace. They comprise an eight-piece ensemble made of heaven's finest virtues. You'll find that collection in Ron's PDF booklet titled Garments of Grace. In Garments of Grace, Ron describes each piece and how it's to be worn for God's glory. But here's a warning. When you don this wardrobe, you will be conspicuous. In a world dressed in filthy clothing, torn and tattered by sin, your attire will shine like the stars. Garments of Grace is yours as a digital download for a gift of any amount at ronmore.org. Again, that web address is ronmore.org. Your gift today will help keep the journey on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now, let's join Ron for a preview of our next broadcast. Turn back to Isaiah chapter 6. You'll see Isaiah as he approaches the throne, and there he sees God high and exalted, he says. He sees the holiness of God. God allows him to see the sinlessness of the holy, eternal God. And he cries out, woe is me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. 
But here in Hebrews, it's not the throne of wrath we're invited to. It's not even the throne of holiness that we are to tremble before. But here we're invited to the throne of grace. And we can come, the writer says, with confidence. We can come with boldness. We can come with fearlessness. We can come with courage because our Heavenly Father, the God of grace, sits on that throne. We hope you can join us for that message next time. And please remember to get your copy of Ron Moore's digital devotional, Garments of Grace. In its pages, you'll discover spiritual apparel for the well-dressed Christian. Garments of Grace is yours for a donation of any amount. You can get it online at ronmoore.org. That's ronmoore.org. Also, for our Pittsburgh area listeners, the real conversation continues at the Bible Chapel with Real Talk, Conversations from Corinth. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, we'll discover what God has to say about leadership, sex, life, victory, and connection. This is a series you won't want to miss. The Bible Chapel has campuses across the greater Pittsburgh area. Visit BibleChapel.org for a location near you. Again, that address is BibleChapel.org. And if the journey has brightened your day and deepened your walk with Christ, won't you tell your friends and family about our program? Finally, please keep in mind that the journey relies on your generous donations to remain on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Your gift today will be deeply appreciated. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join Ron next time as we walk together on the journey.